Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about RHA, diving into how HA works and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at, whether you have HA We've got a few recovery periods, we have your back, and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join, and the link is in the show notes for you. Okay, on with the show. Hey, oh. hey, welcome back to the AJ podcast I am rejoined by Elise Laurie your period PT a bunch of you guys will know her if you don't go find her on the Instagrams hey Elise hey Danny welcome back thanks for having me again yeah I'm really excited we actually grabbed some questions that her followers over on Instagram asked her and she was going to answer them on Instagram but we thought it would be fun 
And maybe you still will. But it will be fun to answer some of them here on the show because you're in town. Yes, and I didn't answer them in time because it was your 30th birthday. So, And partying is more important than posting. This is true. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to dive in. We've got four questions. We'll try to get to all of them and just kind of powwow on them. So we're going to talk today about breakouts and like acne skin zits like what does it mean is it good is it a good sign um body checking and how to not do it we're gonna try and talk about how to know if you're eating enough if you're not tracking your calories like how is it possible (laughs) and um the biggest things that were helpful right in your healing journey pretty much in a nutshell yeah sounds good great do you want to read the questions verbatim or do you think we can do a pretty good job i think we can do a pretty good job agreed okay let's do it question number one was i'm getting a lot of breakouts in recovery is this a good sign right yeah that was it you can go first well there's obviously a lot that we would probably need to know about the situation in this circumstance in my opinion it is a sign that something is going on but there's not enough information to exactly say what. I know a little bit about like hormonal acne can be positioned in different spots on your face. So if it is in those kind of areas, I would assume that it is a good Mm. sign that something is happening in terms of your hormones. Yeah, the reality is it's complicated. Mm. And like, it, yeah, there's variations. There's not like, yes, 100% definitely. Um, For example, like, hormonal acne happens when you're pregnant and I have never in my life had back acne oh uh, but in the first trimester I had back acne for like two weeks and then I went away and so it's like well that's hormonal right so that you know that's evidence when you have your period it's really common to get those like deep like sore like other people can't really notice them but you mm. can feel them and they're sore yeah and they're often in the chin area and people will you know report getting one at the same time every month right there yeah and so those like deep inner ones definitely um a common sign in the area right like the the chin the t-zone right so i think like so yeah above your eyebrows and the jawline too mm-hmm. i think jawline yeah it, those are common and they're like the, the under your skin ones mm. pretty much um, but the other thing just I like to kind of ask is okay well like what are you eating mm-hmm. because also you know it's common in recovery to reintroduce foods you haven't eaten for a long time and maybe as well some of those are from like a more processed part of the world like more sugars and refined sugars and carbohydrates maybe you're eating more gluten or maybe dairy, dairy yeah. and your body's just reacting to something that it hasn't been eating in abundance of or like if you're eating an abundance of processed food i think that like we all objectively know that our body our skin might react to that so just like just take a look could it be those things and if you think well no i've been at this for many many months and i've been Mm -hmm. eating those for a while and my skin's just now starting to have these zits like maybe it is more hormonal if you've just gone all in or something and you're getting these zits 
it could be hormonal, but it also could be a reaction to some... Yeah, to the changes yeah. in your lifestyle. And the weather too, right? Like, if you're going into humidity, you're sweating more, you're experiencing, like, greasiness. I found greasiness, like, if your skin is more oily in general, yeah. or your hair is more oily, mm-hmm. um, those are hormonal signs as well yeah so like you said it is very complex yeah <laughs> so you got to look at the whole picture is all i'm saying right um it's not just black and white yeah totally but if you yeah if any of those sound like you i hope that helps question number two do you want to cover it the body sure checking? so it was how to stop body checking during recovery truth be told i didn't in the beginning of recovery, I definitely still body checked. And I think it's because you're just so much more tuned in to the fact that your body is changing. You're almost expecting it to change. So you've kind of got like these lenses or goggles on that are just so focused on your body changing. Mm. Um, and I think it happens over time. It's not like you just wake up one morning and you just you know, love the skin that you're in and don't need to check. And this probably isn't the best piece of advice, but it definitely helped me in my journey (laughs) is for a little while there in the beginning, while I was gaining weight and I was seeing these changes, I stopped looking in mirrors. I stopped participating in photos. It was temporary. So like I said, not the best advice if you're going to do this long-term, not recommending never having your photo taken again because you're going to look back one day and wish you definitely had those photos taken. Um, But while I was working on that body acceptance part of recovery, I just kind of minimized the photos and the mirrors because probably like you out there, you're feeling your body change. You don't need that actual reminder that it's happening. And to go along with that body acceptance side of things something that I did do that really helped me during recovery was spend time after my shower moisturizing my body and sometimes this would end in absolute tears on my bed and it was not fun other times it would actually help strengthen that connection that I had to my body and help me familiarize myself with what was changing and how it was changing and once I knew what my body was like I just didn't really need Mm -hmm. to check in on it and then when you get your period at least in my experience I was so impressed and proud of my body that to be honest it didn't occur to me to be like oh how flat's my stomach this morning Mm -hmm. or you know I don't look good in this outfit because I was feeling good and I think that's that's a big thing you're like making slowly making that connection with like this body is the one that menstruated I'm impressed by this. Like, yeah. This is good. The other body is the one that was not functioning mm-hmm. the way that it should be. Yeah, I like that. I don't think it's that bad advice, honestly, to not look at in a mirror because, um, you know, mirrors aren't found in nature is my, like, stance on this. True. And if it's not found in nature, there's a good chance it's unnatural. And there's a good chance <laughs> that, um, you know, it's, like, this thing that we introduced that's maybe not found in nature for a reason. Uh, I think that all the time, like photos, reflection, reflections, like the most we could ever see of ourselves was our face rippled in some water and that's about it. And so it makes you kind of think like, why do I, 
what is the actual benefit of this much exposure to how I look? What would it, what would life actually be like if we had no idea really how we looked? Trips me out to think about, but if photos and mirrors didn't exist, you wouldn't know what you look like. Wow. Think about it. That's actually mind blowing because <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought about it like that before. You would have no idea what you look like. You would just have to go off what other people say you look like. Mm. And and would it matter? Would it really matter? It wow. Yeah. Maybe mirrors are the problem. Yeah. So I don't think it's that weird that you, like, actually, if you had Stopped. no mirrors in your house, I think that would be really cool. And I tried to get my husband to do it, and he's like, no. But I think it would be, like, life-changing. It's kind of like giving up social media. Like, yeah. not having a mirror in your house would be freaking crazy. I wonder... <laughs> What it would be like to get all of rid of the mirrors for like a period of time. Like, how much do you rely on them? It's interesting. Yeah, that's a really great thing. How to stop body checking? If you can take a crack at turn the mirrors around, if you know, or I'll cover put, them up. Cover them up on the thing. It might sound or feel weird, but what an interesting experiment. Let us know how it goes if you do it though, too. I would love to do it. Um, and in like I, I technically could. My husband would probably let me do it for a, a period of time. Yeah, you know, we should do it as a challenge. That'd be like a cool thirty day no mirror challenge. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. That's fun. Hmm. So yeah, uh, it could be really cool, and that's like a maybe an interesting way to lose sight of because things we want to lose sight of what we look like. Um, as well, I found, like, being busier and more mm. interested in other things was really helpful. So when you have more to do and less time to look at yourself, it's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with that because I was really fortunate that my first few months of recovery lined up with my first semester of uni mm. so I was so busy studying and doing all this other other stuff that yeah recovery and my body while it was still quite a big thing going on it wasn't the most important thing mm. in my life um there was other things that kind of took priority so yeah, you're more focused on the things that matter yeah actually having said that that's where I kind of ran into a bit of trouble is because I was so busy during the day that when I would get into bed, mm. I would start to feel really uncomfortable in my it sheets. It all came flooding. Yeah, like I could, I, I still remember lying there in my sheets and just feeling my legs touch. Mm. And it was something I was never used to before. And I remember actually talking to my psych psychologist about this. And that's when I started to get a bedtime routine happening. So that way, by the time I got into bed, my brain was pretty much switched mm. off and ready to go to sleep. So... If you are struggling at night, that's something I definitely, yeah, definitely recommend. Yeah, and that's okay. That's gonna happen. Yeah, talk, dude. You need someone to talk to. Shit, thousand percent. Yeah, talk therapy, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, I hope that helped, guys. All right, how did? Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you, and if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything 
into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. If I'm eating enough, if I'm not counting my calories. What's the question? Yeah. It's complicated. But... I feel like this may sound a bit, I guess, simple, but if you think you're not eating enough, eat more. Yeah. There's a good chance you probably need to eat more. Like if you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, did I really eat enough? It's mm. like, hmm, if you're having that thought, you may already know the answer. I mean, there's definitely ways to make sure you get enough calories in without counting. I mean, I started counting. I was still counting calories when I found out about HA. Mm -hmm. So naturally, I continued to count calories while I started recovering. So for me, I got this idea of what the minimum 2,500 calorie looked like. Um, And I'm a creature of habit, so I tend to eat similar things. Um, So I just kind of would go off of that. Having said that, that can be really hard to do because you've been so used to one number and then that number gets bigger instead of smaller. And once again, we have a belief that, you know, a bigger number, whether it's on the scales or calories or whatnot is somehow bad. Mm -hmm. So I remember actually taking screenshots of my calorie intake for the day that was much higher than what I used to. And I'd send it to a friend that knew what I was going through. So like, I could be like, look, this is what I hit today. And it may not have been the minimum. It may have just gradually, I gradually worked my way up to it. Cause you're not going to turn around and just 
eat a whole lot more food because you're going to feel really yeah. uncomfortable. So don't think it has to be overnight or anything like that. Um, but that was really encouraging because she'd be like, yes, like, this is what we want. Like, let's do it again tomorrow. And she was just a friend. Like, she wasn't therapist. She wasn't a dietitian. She was just someone who knew what I was going mm-hmm. through and could be like, yes, girl, you need this. Your body needs this. This is the right thing to do. And just having that confirmation from someone else that this is okay until you start to believe it is for me it was crucial in terms of upping my calories Mm -hmm. um and then I got away with my fitness pal I just deleted it once I was confident that I knew what 2500 calories looked like and I was okay to go over it because that's another challenge you face when you do track in the Mm -hmm. beginning is like I can't eat any more than 2500 calories and it's like well no you actually can and you might need to because it's all very individual Mm -hmm. but that's how I did it it's not answering the question but (laughs) I guess you can track to get an idea of it my biggest tip is if you don't want to track because you don't have to is three meals three snacks yeah If you're getting three meals, three snacks in, or even a fourth snack, like a bedtime snack, which was my go-to in recovery, you should be hitting a good amount of calorie intake Mm -hmm. in a day. What do you think? Yeah. Um, And then I just, like, help people figure out, like, to find a meal, right? So Mm. for us, just in case, um, I will use, like, the plate methods or the palm methods. And Mm -hmm. really, if you just – you have your plate – and you have like a palm's worth of animal protein if that's what you do you know just for the sake of it i'm going to assume listeners are eating animal protein i know they might not be um if yeah so put a palm size of that a and then i'll be like a fist and a half (laughs) of carbs and three thumbs of fat so i know that you're having a substantially balanced meal I personally care more about that first and foremost mm-hmm. because when we balance our meals, we help with cortisol, insulin, we ha- which helps us with anxiety, which makes us less stressed around our food choices, which makes it easier for us to eat more. It's a whole thing. So <laughs> that's like, that's how I do that. And then I'll break it down to like, okay, and then what, what's on your plate? And is that carbohydrate starchy? Cause I, mm, often want it to be uh, but there are individual variances so it's tough but yeah is your plate full you know is your plate full are you at least having a protein a carb and a fat and are you not being stingy on it Mm. but can you can you genuinely answer those questions for yourself um that's really important what we like with clients we use this thing called meal cam and people will take photo of their food and they send, like they upload it for us to look at and will, you know, it's kind of an accountability piece and genuinely some people don't know if they're eating enough mm. and then we'll just give tips. Well, it's kind of like the reverse of, well, for me and probably a lot of people out there, I kept a food diary. Yeah. Like that was like the first thing that I now look back on being like, mm, that was probably not healthy. Mm. Like it can definitely be done in a healthy way, but the point I was trying to make is when you keep that food diary, you, the whole psychology about it in terms of dieting is you're like, well, I don't want to write this down in my diary, so I'm not going to have it. So it's kind of like when you were describing sure. it, I was like, this is the reverse of that. It just comes to yeah. the point of, I mean, there's definitely people who like 
yeah, taking a photo of your food and sending it might not be a good idea. Uh, but yeah, like I want to be able to say that I ate that. So yeah. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and, and some people generally aren't sure. And so we'll look at like, I always feel like this stuff's logical or like everyone knows what I know, but it's, they don't necessarily. Yeah. And it's like, well, why don't you just cook that in oil? Well, and that's the thing too, because like when I read about the recovery protocol and the minimums, I was like, I don't think I've ever eaten that much food in my life. I probably had before I got into the whole dieting scene or whatever. Like when you're a young kid and you have a great relationship with food, yeah, you probably eat that much sometimes. Mm -hmm. Probably not all the time because you're, you're younger. Your body's different. But I remember seeing that number being like oh my goodness i have no idea how much 2500 calories is i Mm -hmm. like i would not even be able to describe that to you so i think for me that's why tracking really helped in the beginning because a i was still doing it and b i've never probably like many listeners out there never been taught how to properly fuel my body Mm -hmm. i just always thought that less was better yeah and more exercise was better because everyone tells you there's so much access to food now that like we eat too much so you if you aim to eat less like that's better but that's just bullshit yeah just saying um there's so much food that we're overwhelmed and we feel like we can't eat any of it (laughs) exactly yes exactly so there's there's like the plate method there's the palm method those can be really helpful yes keeping a food diary and showing it having someone to be accountable with it is helpful Mm. i would journal and literally write what i ate that day um i'd talk to my husband about it if i was feeling anxious or get his you know i'd be like do you think that this was enough or you know i feel anxious eating more than this Mm. so that he could hear it and be like you definitely need to eat more than that um there's a lot of ways you can do it yeah and i think to just to like continue summarizing that is Mm. trusting your intuition because if you're needing to ask someone else which is totally fine to do if you just need that, you know, confirmation and that mm-hmm. confidence to eat a bit more. But like we said at the beginning, if you're asking yourself how much, like, am I eating enough? Well, then you're probably not. And trust mm-hmm. that part because your body is going to give you signs that you need more food. Like mm-hmm. I know one thing for me was mental hunger. That was huge. Mm-hmm. My physical, like my physical cues, hunger cues weren't really there, but I would be sitting at my desk studying and I would start thinking about food and I just knew that it was time for me to go and eat because I, that thought of food would only get worse the more that I just pushed it aside. Mm. So if you're thinking about food and if you think you haven't eaten enough, that's also a good indicator that you need to eat a bit more. Yeah. And I don't know, like another, if you want just like something tactical you can do, stop using any like, make sure you're not using any kind of low fat zero Mm. calorie if those things are in your food don't eat them like just don't just don't bother with them yeah yeah so if those are in there there's a a sign that like you're knocking calories off your meals when you shouldn't be so ditch that and you know make sure you're cooking with oils and fats if you are only eating lean protein Mm question that why are you only eating lean protein can you make a change there um if all of your vegetables are leafy greens 
they're probably you're probably not getting enough calories in that through that if you're avoiding any food groups in general for reasons that are basically just fear-based you're possibly not getting enough calories like these are all questions to ask yourself um i guess as a tool we have i have a tool I made this thing, the period recovery game planner, and it's for it's for these people. Yeah, that they you can go through it and answer all of the questions in it, and it's like I ask you a million questions about your your habits and decision making around food, and it helps you sort of see for yourself the decisions you're making and how they're how they're adding up at the end of the day. Probably because yeah, self reflecting is hard. Yes, it is a hard skill to learn. But it's also really important because once you can self-reflect and become self-aware, you can make better decisions for recovery. That's right. Yeah. So that's helpful. You just Google that period recovery game plan. It should come up. Um, or you can link it in the bio. Oh, um, I'll try to remember. <laughs> I'll, I probably will, will, will remember. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Feel good? Perfect. Last yeah. question. Last question. Biggest things that helped you in your healing journey? Is that how it was? For you? Yeah. Some of the biggest things that helped Some us in our things. recovery journey. I'll let you kick that one off. Because I need to think. <laughs> Me too. Um, okay. So at the beginning it was hard because I didn't really like believe it. I wasn't sure what mm. was going on. How this could possibly be true. It was shaking my world. It was rocking its foundation. So it helped, obviously, to understand the science. Um, it helped to really understand, like, my thought processes and where my decisions were coming from. So a lot of self-reflection, a lot of journaling, a lot mm-hmm. of, like, I felt stressed today because I wanted to work out and push my body because everyone else does. And I know that that's not helpful because I'm trying to recover my period and I'm not fully healthy. So like going through that constant inner dialogue was actually helpful for me Yeah. as well as definitely looking for podcasts and other people who shared my issue and had advice on it. That was clutch. That's why I started this podcast because there wasn't enough out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so finding that and tuning in regularly was just like, was super important and tuning out of the crap yeah and that's another skill that's really hard to develop Mm -hmm. but like a muscle it needs to be trained yeah you just gotta you just gotta stop listening to it yeah you gotta remember that this does not apply to you right now it just doesn't Mm -hmm. right yeah that's such a big thing people like but i heard this doesn't apply to you right now yeah are you (laughs) missing a period then no doesn't apply to you yeah like kind of like stay in your lane kind of thing. Remember, I think that was another thing that really helped me was remembering why I was doing this. If you don't have a reason to recover that is meaningful and that you really want, then why recover, Mm. in my opinion? Yeah, I like that. And I think that people try to go into recovery and they're like, well, I should be able to just like go back to how I should have been behaving if I were never going to get HA. Does that make sense? So, like, to reword it. Um, <laughs> you can't see if, the look on my face, but I must have looked confused. <laughs> so, the if you, in an alternate timeline, 
things went differently and you mm. never dieted and overexercised. Yeah. Right? You would be eating, quote unquote, normally and have a better relationship with food and stuff like that. And so we think that, oh, well, I'll just start acting like that now. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'll just uh, eat like a normal person now. And I get that, but that means you're skipping the healing process. Yeah. And then you're confused that it's not working. So that's what we mean by, like, all general fitness advice, even if it's, like, good advice around a healthy relationship with food or good advice for someone who is tra- – like, like treat exercise three times a week. Like, that's good general advice. Yeah. But, um, you know, going from exercise – going from having HA training – seven days a week to three days a week that's not that doesn't apply to you yet yeah you have to go through the healing process first it's like fast tracking the ha recovery side so that you're on the other end of it without having your period back is what you're saying yeah but not even fast tracking like you probably won't get your period back if you don't yeah if you don't make the maximum required change in your exercise well yeah because while you can start acting like a quote unquote normal person like if you never had HA and you just start doing what you probably should have been doing but without the period Mm. you don't make up for all that time of restriction like that like you said the healing process so like you do need to probably nourish your body more so than you will in the future but it's the way I thought about it was making up for pretty much close to a decade of restriction that I put my body through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there is debt owed. Yeah, it, yeah, it's literally you're in debt to your body and yeah. you got to make up for so, it. Like, you don't get to just like come back and be like, "Oh, hey. Hey, like body, let's pick up where we went wrong." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. So, one <laughs> way I thought about it was like looking at my body and this is probably a great way to answer this question. Like something that really helped in my healing process was looking at my body as my best friend. Mm. I actually, when I refer to my body, I refer to her as my pronouns, she, her, right? Mm. Because it gives my body a more of an identity to me. Like she becomes an actual person. She's not just something you can abuse. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so what that immediately changed the way I spoke about my body because when I like started saying her or she you don't say mean things you don't really say mean things about other people right so it was just foreign to, to yeah, that's say really it in cool. that sentence your body's like a third person yeah exactly so second person oh your body's a second person <laughs> um but having changed no, that third person <laughs> Second or third, depending on the conversation you're having. Do we need to Google this? Sorry, (laughs) it's you is second person, she's third. I'm getting confused. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, So I would talk to my body in that way. And then, yeah, that would just change the whole conversation about my body. And I also, yeah, this is where I wanted to go. I lost my train of thought when we were going back between first, second and third person. Um, Is... If you treated your best friend the way you probably treated your body in terms of restriction and overtraining and all that sort of stuff, I know my best friend and she would not want to talk to me again if I put her through what I put my body through, Mm. right? So it doesn't happen overnight in that 
trust and that healing doesn't happen automatically. It Mm -hmm. literally takes work. And I think the best piece of advice I ever got was from my mum. And it wasn't even for recovery. It was for relationships. And she told me, relationships take work. They They take waking up every morning and making a conscious decision to putting in the effort to making that relationship flourish, essentially. And I took that piece of advice and I put that in the relationship that I had with my body. And I reminded myself that it was a conscious decision I made every morning to nourish my body or to torture it and knowing (laughs) which way was going to get me to where I wanted to be, a.k.a. nourishing, getting my period back. So, like, those things really helped me just switch my mindset and my beliefs because we talk about this a lot in the HA society, but it's all about rewiring that belief system. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta change your beliefs and then create, because that will create, that will change your behavior. You know, your thoughts feed into your, look, yeah, all of this is based on what you believe, right? Like I believe that gaining weight is bad and thus I am now afraid to do it. Yeah. Like I believe that, um, if I stop exercising, I will be, I will become a person who is lazy or seen as unproductive. Like, stop, gah, you got to be working on that. You cannot yeah. just um, go and wait and not, and like stop exercising as a mean to an end because you'll just go straight back. Exactly. And so there's no point. Physically, you could recover your period doing that. But in my opinion and my experience, I don't think that that would be a long lasting recovery if you don't look into the psychological side of things and like like you were just saying all of these you know beliefs and things question them recovery is about questioning everything you've ever been taught (laughs) really and truly like i thought as a personal trainer i was doing everything right for my body i was eating enough surely and i was training well like i was just this you know embodied health and fitness right and then i find out about ha and it was just like you said, turns your world upside down, really. Like, you're just like, everything I have been taught and come to believe is pretty much wrong. Yeah. I just keep thinking of the confused Keanu meme. If y'all don't know, just look it up. It's confused I'm Keanu. look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I feel free. yeah. And I think the other thing that I would just say that really helped me is I started working with a psychologist So I got help and I also joined the HA Society Mm -hmm. because I knew in the beginning of recovery and reading what I would have to do to get my period back, I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. I I knew I could do it on my own, but I knew it was going to be really hard if I didn't have support around me, both professional and just people that were also experiencing it because while I love the support that I got from my friends and family, it's so different when you have a community of people that are going, exactly. They're going through the exact same thing. You know, like I had times where someone in, in my life would say like, Oh, you probably won't have to gain that much weight. And I'm like, but how do you know? And then you turn to someone in the the community of missing periods of HA Mm -hmm. and you don't hear things like that because it's not really supportive. I get what they're trying, like my friends and family yeah, were trying to well help, meaning. but it's not completely supportive. So mm-hmm. having that 
specific support is just, yeah, really beneficial. And it's not a shameful thing to ask for help. Yeah. So there you go. Perfect. Cool. Thanks, guys. Hope that this was helpful. And go find Elise at your period PT. And I'm at the HA podcast. Why not plug myself? And um, yeah. Thanks for asking your questions, guys. Thanks for having me. Ah, Have a good day. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afha society at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows 
vegetables and fruits out of the water. If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.